today on Hardwired. Now, what is the abomination of desolation exactly? Because it sounds terrible, abomination of desolation. That sounds awful. What is it? It means simply this. It is to bring something accursed into the temple and on into the Holy of Holies where the Shekinah glory of God rests. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. It's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and hear about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference as it's hardwired into your life, your relationships, and your future. You may be stuck in traffic or maybe even stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help you get on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. And if for any reason you have to break away before the end of the program, you can always catch it at our website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. So let's go ahead and get right into today's message. Here's Pastor Jeff to set it up for us. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your very busy day. Well, we're going through the book of Revelation on Hardwired. It's been a great series, lots of feedback from this, and I'm excited to teach it as much as I know you're excited to hear it. And this time we're gonna talk about something that most of you will recognize. It's called the abomination of desolation. If you know anything about the Bible or you're a Christian and have been for any time at all, you've likely heard that phrase, the abomination of desolation. Well, it's going to happen during the Great Tribulation period. So today we're going to explore that. We're gonna see the context in which it happens and what it means for our world. Because when the abomination happens, then it's going to bring a shift into end time events, very crucial for our planet and for those that are alive in that day. So let's go right to the message, the abomination of desolation, and let's see what it means. Last time we saw and do a little background, a little backup, just to refresh you. The last time we saw that the temple that was destroyed in 70 AD, everybody remember that? The temple was destroyed. It was destroyed by the Romans. And that was the second time the temple of God had been destroyed. It was destroyed by the Romans when they destroyed the entire city of Jerusalem, killed over a million Jewish people. And the rest of the Jewish people were scattered to the four corners of the world for 20 centuries until 1948 when they became a nation again, all right? Now, we saw that that temple is somehow, some way, gonna be rebuilt on its ancient location. And it just happens to be right where the Dome of the Rock is, which is the major place of Muslim worship. I've been there, I've been in it. I've experienced it. Now, I didn't, of course, do what they do, but I watched and I just kinda took a look. And it's this huge place. Dome of the Rock, it's beautiful on the outside, but it was built right where the temple once stood before the Romans destroyed it in 70 AD. The Bible predicts that it's got to be rebuilt. Where is it predicted? The book of Revelation. It's going to be rebuilt. That may happen after Antichrist brokers a peace treaty with the Jewish people bringing Arab-Israeli peace, finally. This peace treaty, by the way, is gonna happen at the very beginning of the Great Tribulation, and it may actually be the trigger 
of the Great Tribulation. But that's coming. There's going to be a peace treaty. Temple's going to be rebuilt. And we also learned that the one and the same Antichrist, after it's rebuilt, is going to commit what the Bible calls the abomination of desolation. Watch this now. This happens at the three-and-a-half-year mark, halfway through the seven-year tribulation, because the Great Tribulation is seven years long. This will trigger, when he goes in and commits the abomination of desolation, at the halfway point of the Great Tribulation, it's going to trigger a ferocious persecution against the Jewish people, probably unlike anything ever seen. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 15, give you an example, Jesus, the greatest prophet in the Bible, said, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, this abomination is going to stand or be stood up or be placed in the holy place. Jesus said, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea, Jesus said, you better hook them to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. In other words, don't even worry about your stuff. Get out of there. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes, but woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days and pray that your flight is not in the winter or on the Sabbath, because in the winter it's harder to run. The Sabbath, they're going to have conscience issues with exerting energy on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. Now listen to this, everybody. No, nor ever shall be. Now you got to stop and think. Millions killed in World War I. Millions more killed in World War II. Think of the worst thing that's ever happened on earth. Jesus says here, when Antichrist commits the abomination of desolation, what it releases and unleashes will be the worst thing that has ever hit earth. He went on to say, in fact, unless those days were shortened by God, nobody would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Amen. God is in charge of time. Amen. Now, what is the abomination of desolation exactly? Because it sounds terrible, abomination of desolation. That sounds awful. What is it? It means simply this. It is to bring something accursed into the temple and on into the Holy of Holies where the Shekinah glory of God rests. All right? So you got the temple. You got the outer court, inner court, Holy of Holies. The inner sanctum where the ark is, where the cherubim are, where the Shekinah glory rested between the wings of the cherubim. That's the Holy of Holies. When something is taken in there that God did not order, and even worse, it's something that is accursed, that's the abomination that makes desolate. It causes desolation when it happens. Little history. It's happened once. It happened in 167 BC, so 167 years before Christ, when a Greek ruler by the name of, uh, of Antiochus Epiphanes set up an altar to Zeus over the altar of burnt offerings in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem 
which was the second rebuilt temple. Antiochus Epiphanes did this, committed the abomination of desolation in the second temple. All right, he hated the Jews. He persecuted the Jews. Daniel predicted his arrival. Daniel predicted this man would come on the world stage. He was a type of antichrist. He wasn't the antichrist, but he was sure a type, like Hitler was a type. Antiochus Epiphanes was a type. And he also went on to sacrifice a pig on the same altar, something forbidden, something that God had told his people, don't eat it, don't touch it. But he went in there intentionally to desecrate the temple. And it was the first abomination of desolation to happen in history. And Jesus is warning here about a repeat of this in a rebuilt temple. Now, for the first three and a half years, as we continue through the the narrative of the book of Revelation, the new world leader, that is the Antichrist, will maintain warm and friendly relations with Israel. He's going to come on. Listen, everybody, he's going to make Israel believe, I'm your buddy. I'm all for you. I got your back. I believe in you. And and you know what? Um, I want you to be able to reinitiate your Old Testament sacrificial mosaic system. He may even be behind. Don't know for sure, but he may be behind the rebuilding of the third temple. He may be the final uh, impetus that does it. Don't know. It could be. But he's going to act like he's their friend, and they're finally going to believe in him. And then his coup, his wonder of wonders, political miracle, he's going to broker a peace treaty between the Israelites and the Arabs. There will be an Arab-Israeli peace treaty brokered by him. Now, we've seen a type and a shadow of that in the sense that, remember, Carter tried doing that in the 70s. Clinton tried doing it later. Many world leaders have tried to broker such a thing, but it always fell apart. You know why? Because it's not supposed to happen until he does it. He'll break his treaty. This is what will happen. He'll broker it, and they'll go, well, he's our hero. He's our guy. And for three and a half years, they'll believe that he wants nothing but their good. But three and a half years in, this is what the Bible says, and we're going to read it. Three and a half years in, this man is going to walk into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, and he's going to declare himself to be God. That's what the Bible teaches. He's going to say, I am God. When the Jews see this, they freak because they have been led to believe he's their friend. But now, oh, no, no, I'm not. He's going to let them know, I'm not about your God. I'm about me, and I'm actually God. And they're going to realize at three and a half years in, they got took. They got snookered. They got deceived. But it will be a day late and a dollar short because the second three and a half years of tribulation All the desolation, the abomination that causes or that makes desolate or causes desolation will be unleashed. Now, during this time also, the Antichrist is going to have a thorn in his side. And the Bible in the book of Revelation, we're about to read it. So hang on, I'm just giving you a sort of lead in. There's going to be two witnesses that come on the scene in the first three and a half years of the book of Revelation of the tribulation, and they're going to preach, and they're going to call the world to repent, and they're going to stand for God, and they're going to be a thorn in the side of a Christ-rejecting, godless world. Two men, 
And until God allows it, they are invincible. It's a thorn in the side of this evil ruler because no matter what he tries to do, he can't take them out because they're protected. Listen to what Revelations 11, well, we're in chapter 11 tonight. Verse three, let's begin reading. I will give power to my two witnesses. Now this is, remember, the great tribulation time period. I will give power to my two witnesses. They'll be clothed in burlap. Who does that sound like? John the Baptist. But let's go on. And they will prophesy during those 1260 days, the first three and a half years. They will prophesy, which means they will declare God's truth. These two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. Look at verse five. If anybody tries to harm them, get ready, everybody. Fire flashes from their mouth and consumes their enemies. Did you ever wish you could do that? Did you ever just wish you could do that? Just, just, just once, right? What if you had that power right now? What would you do with it? <laughs> Be a whole lot of ashes appearing all over the place. Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment, but first I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program, but don't worry. You can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all of the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. Or call 877-884-3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. But now watch this. Now the Bible is clear here. They have a supernatural ability to, to fend off enemies. He says, this is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have power to shut the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy, like Elijah did. And they have the power to turn the rivers and oceans into blood. Who did that? Moses. So as far as I'm concerned, we got Moses and Elijah somehow or another revisiting the planet, or at least somebody that does what they did, because Elijah was the prophet of fire. Moses was the prophet that caused the waters to turn to blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. There you got Moses again. So since it was Moses and Elijah, if you'll remember, that appeared to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, remember that? It could well be this is them again. Moses represents the law of God. Elijah represents the prophets. Now, when the Antichrist breaks his treaty with Israel and invades Jerusalem, the two witnesses are finally slain. They're slain at the halfway mark. Revelation 11:7. when they complete their testimony, the beast, that's the Antichrist, that comes up out of the bottomless pit, will declare war against them and he will conquer them and kill them. So God allows them to be killed, but watch this. I want you to notice something, that how uncannily John predicts the ability of our present-day world to view something worldwide in real time, all at the same time, which can only happen via television or the internet. Look at what John predicted. Please catch this. This is uncanny, because John wrote this in the first century. 
He says, and their bodies, verses 8 and 9, their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, the city that is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, the city where their Lord was crucified. And for three days and a half, three and a half days, watch this, all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies. Now, do you know how that passage mystified Bible scholars in the past? How how can this be? How is the whole world, every tribe, every people, every language, every nation, going to stare at two men lying in the streets of Jerusalem in real time at the same time? How are they going to do it? And they used to just go, don't get it. I just have to trust God and his word. Because sometimes the word becomes clear as time passes. So then came satellite television and 24-7 news channels. And now it's an easy thing to accomplish. You can have ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSLSD, I mean MSNBC, staring at those two bodies at the same time. John just wrote down what the Spirit of God moved on him to say. And now look, it's totally possible. Wow. Another amazing proof that the Bible is a supernatural book predicting times and events and inventions millennia into the future. Now notice next how a world experiencing the great tribulation, look at this now, rejoices over the death of these two men. This is the the population that is experiencing these terrible judgments. But look at their character. It says in Revelations 11, 9, they threw a big party. It says nobody will be allowed to bury them and all the people who belong to this world will gloat over them and give presents to each other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who had tormented them. How they torment them? With truth. All right, party hardy, the two prophets are dead. But hang on, the party doesn't last long. Revelations 11, 11, but after three and a half days, God breathed life into them and they stood up. Can you imagine ABC commentators, CBS, NBC, CNN? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? (laughs) Because look, they stood up. They were dead. They stood up. Terror struck all who were staring at them, which was the whole world. I guess so. Then a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, come up here. And they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. Whoa, folks. Are you with me? Say, do you really believe this, Jeff? Of course I believe it. Why would I not believe it? Right? If you believe Genesis 1-1, you can go anywhere with miracles. Okay? So, yes, of course. They are raptured up. They're taken up. These two witnesses will be resurrected from the dead and caught up into heaven with Every nation watching, party's over. Then begins the worst of the tribulation period. At the precise moment this happens, an earthquake is going to rock the city. Revelations eleven thirteen. at the same time, there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a tenth of Jerusalem. That's Jerusalem. 7,000 people died in that earthquake, and everyone else was terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Wow. So here we go. Now, you might recall that God is, a lot of times in history, sent signs via nature or or natural catastrophes. 
in order to signify that something of, of great spiritual significance has taken place. Remember when Jesus hung on the cross, the Bible says there was from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. From high noon to three, it was as dark as night. What did that? I personally believe the sorrow of God. His own son was being crucified. And then when Jesus died, Matthew tells us the earth quaked and the rocks were split. So there you go again. When something of great significance happened, there was a natural phenomena that seemed to react to it. And it's going to be this, when these two God-appointed witnesses are killed and resurrected, a great earthquake is going to rock Jerusalem. And John warns next, the second terror is past. This is verse 14. The second terror is past, but look, the third terror is coming quickly. And that's the seventh trumpet the blowing of the seventh trumpet is finally about to happen. Now, remember how we said at the beginning of our study that as John is shown these various visions, John is taken up and brought back down. He's shown things in heaven and he's shown calamities that are coming upon the earth. So now he is taken back up into heaven to witness the blowing of the seventh trumpet. Verse 15, the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Amen. This is when Jesus takes over everything now. Everything is turned over to him now. This last trumpet is gonna encompass the entire time period of the final 42 months described in detail all the way through chapter 19. So this seventh trumpet sets the stage for the rest of the book. As we've already mentioned, this final 1,262 days is called the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Now in heaven, John's seeing in heaven now, he again sees the 24 elders and they represent you and me. They represent the church. Because where are we when all this is going on? We're up there. Come on, everybody. No more high gas prices up there. No more inflation up there. Amen. And what are those 24 elders doing? This is what heaven looks like. They're rejoicing. They're worshiping and proclaiming that the time of rewards in heaven is at hand. And at the very same time, all this is going on up there. The earth is experiencing vicious judgments down here. Verse 16, the 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and worshiped him. And they said, we give thanks to you, Lord God, the almighty, the one who is and who always was. I've gotten calls on the radio said, when did God begin? He never began. He's always been. And this is one of those confirmations of it. He is now, but he always was. How far back you want to go? He's always there. For now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. Verse 18, the nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It's time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. It's time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. Notice everybody, rewards are given out. While all this is happening on earth, rewards are given out to the church up there. Okay, that's when we're rewarded for how we lived our lives on earth. Did we glorify God? Did we serve him? Did we reach people? Did we pray? 
Did we bear fruit? Did we use our gift? Did we live for him? Did we give a cup of cold water to somebody in the name of Jesus? Did we feed the hungry in his name, give water to the thirsty in his name? Did we visit the, the imprisoned in his name? Did we, did we do things, good works? Did we do good works to the glory of God, not to toot our own horn, but to glorify God? Did we do that? Because here at this time, halfway through the tribulation, the church is up there receiving rewards. Amen. All who fear your name, from the very least to the very greatest. Amen. You've been listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. It would mean the world to us to know how the program has helped you today. So take a quick minute and give us a call, 877-884-3111. Or you can connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. And if you enjoy the program as much as we love bringing it to you, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. There are daily costs associated with the program, and we truly do depend on the faithful financial support of our listeners like you to allow us to be on this station. So please, consider partnering with us today with your gifts to this ministry. You can call us at 877-884-3111 or go to the website hardwired.org. Again, call 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. Thank you for your loyal partnership as we couldn't do this without you. And finally, Pastor Jeff is the founder and senior pastor of the vibrant Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're ever in the area, we hope you'll stop by and say hi. And let us know that you listen to the program. That would really make our day. And Pastor Jeff would love to meet you personally too. So till next time, have a great day. And thanks so much for listening to Hardwired.